In Proverbs, the fourth chapter, this is a very familiar portion of Scripture to many of us. And in this 20th verse, he begins by saying, Proverbs 4.20, he says, My son, of course that means daughter too, attend to my words, in other words, pay attention to my words, incline your ear unto my sayings. How many know you need to be inclined toward the Word of God? You need to have, your disposition needs to be towards hearing God's words. Not that somebody has to coax you and coerce you a bunch. I mean, you're ready and inclined to hear the words of the Lord. You have an inclination. That's your disposition to hear His words. Let them not depart from thine eyes. How many know just because you see them once, that's not enough? You need to keep them in front of your eyes. Like the Lord told the king of Israel, he said, you are to write you a copy of this law and you're to read in it all the days of your life. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy, he said, give attendance to reading. Amen? What does that mean? Read the Bible. Isn't that right? How often? All the days of your life. Read the Bible. I was ministering to a man one time in the hospital, shared a scripture with him, and, and he said, that, that's from the Bible? I said, yeah. He said, oh, I've read that. <laughs> well, see, he meant he'd read it like you'd read, you know. People say, well, have you read such and such book? Yeah, I've read that. How many know the Bible is not that kind of a book? You don't say, well, I've, I've read it. No, you don't read it, you read it. Amen. Every day is a new day. You always live in the present tense. We read the Bible. Amen. Read, not read. Thank God if you've read, but today is a new day. Read the Bible. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. We're singing about the heart. He goes on to say, For they, God's words, are life unto those that find them, and they are health, or the margin says medicine, to all their flesh. A lot of times people stop reading right there, but all this goes together. The next verse says, Keep your heart. Keep what? Your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Amen. Now this is our text. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Where does your life come from? Now a lot of times if you ask that question, people would say, well, God. And that's true. That's true, your life comes from God. But where does the life come through from God to get to your flesh? Your heart or your spirit. Amen. You understand that? That the life that's in your flesh comes out of your heart or out of your spirit. I mean, how many remember that, that the Bible says over in James that the body without the spirit is what? Dead. That's what happens when people die. When people die, they don't cease to exist. Oftentimes, you know, you know, we really, we, even Christians, we need to work on our mentality concerning death. We really do. 
You know, if you, if you not, if you don't watch it, you'll catch yourself referring to people that have died physically and thinking like they don't exist anymore. Isn't that right? Well, so and so used to be a good individual. Well, if they, if they, if they departed to be with the Lord and they're saved, they still are. Amen. I have loved ones, relatives, friends that are in heaven. And I, you know, I've meditated along these lines until it's, it's real to me. Those, those, it's just as real to me that I have relatives in heaven as that I have relatives in other, other states. They're there. They didn't cease existing. How many know heaven is a real place? Just as real as Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, Detroit, LA, New York, only lots nicer. In the, lots, lots nicer. But it's just as real. And when people go there, they don't cease to exist. They just move. Now, of course, if you're not saved, you go somewhere else. You go down when you die. And you don't go to a, a purgatory where it's decided later what will happen to you. Contrary to what some folk teach and believe. That's not in the Bible. Anywhere. No, it's decided in this life. And once you die, it's decided which way you go. It won't be decided later. It's decided right then. Amen. And that's one reason why we need to tell people now in this life about Jesus and to receive him. Amen. And to be ready to die. After you're dead, the choice is made. You you can only decide while you're alive. But we're saying that when we say an individual is alive physically, we mean their spirit is in residency in their body. But when the spirit leaves the body, well, you might as well bury the body because there's no life in that body apart from that individual spirit. Amen. And therefore, we're saying that the life of the flesh comes from the spirit. Amen. You know, that's a, we, we live in a, in a day of what we call, uh, you know, advanced technology in the different areas of science and medical fields included. And, uh, you know, sometimes people get to thinking, well, we know, you know, we've got everything figured out. We understand all about how the body works and we under, we've figured it all out. No, we haven't. Not even close. Not even remotely close. Thank God for the technology we have. Thank God for the things that physicians know and, and people in these realms know. It, so much of it's such a big help to, to people. It's helped, you know, helped many of us in many different ways. Amen? But, no, men do not understand. They, they don't, you know, uh, it's real easy to stump people. I've said this before, but it'll bear repetition. You can ask the most learned, uh, medical or scientific in, individual. There is. You know, ask him, well, what makes your heart beat? And it's so simple, simple. There are certain regions of the brain, and from that, uh, from that region, these nerve impulses come and cause the heart muscle to contract, and it's involuntary, and they can show you the precise regions of the brain where those nerves come from. They can follow, fine, fine. Where does it come from to get to there? And they can't tell you. That's as far as they can go. I'm saying it's relatively easy to stump <laughs> our our most learned individuals in these areas, not to put off on them. Because they understand more about that than I do. 
or you do unless you're trained in those areas. But the Bible gives us the answers to those other unknown factors. Amen. Amen. Where does it come from to get to there? It comes from your spirit. Amen. I said it comes from your spirit. Amen. Amen. The life that's in your flesh comes out of your heart. Out of your spirit. Now notice what he said. He's talking about healing here, isn't he? Does this passage have anything to do with healing? He refers to healing. He said, if you find God's words, there'll be life to you. There'll be health. There'll be medicine to all of your flesh. And he immediately says, now keep your heart. One translation says, guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it, out of your heart, are the issues of life. Issue like that which springs forth out of a spring, you see. And you know, Jesus used that exact example, didn't he? Remember the woman at the, at the well in John 4, the Samaritan woman, and how he asked her for water to drink, and she told him, you know, why do you, why you being a Jew, ask drink of me, which I'm a Samaritan, etc., etc. And finally he said, uh, he said, if you knew who it was talking to you, you'd asked of, of him. And he would have given you living water. And he went on to describe that the water that, that the Lord gives us is living water, and it, it, it forms a well of water springing up on the inside of us unto everlasting life. And if you're born again, you've got that well. Amen. Uh, that's a way of describing the, the operation of the Holy Spirit, that, that the life of God is in your spirit, and it springs up from the inside of you and affects your flesh, affects your, your mind and your body. That's why he says, he says, keep your heart. Guard your heart. Take care of your heart. Keep your heart with diligence. With all diligence. This is a warning here, isn't it? It's an, it's an admonishment. It's an, an instruction. And it's a warning. Guard your heart. Keep your heart. Why? Because out of it come the issues of life. Now go with me on over to the 14th chapter of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. Notice this, Proverbs 14, verse 30. It says, a sound heart is the life of the flesh. Now you might think, well, he's just talking about a good blood pump. But he couldn't be just talking about that because he goes right on to say, but envy is the rottenness of the bones. So he couldn't just be talking about the physical condition of the blood pump because if he, if he had have been, he'd have said, but a bad heart uh, causes poor circulation. And that affects your health. He's not just talking about the blood pump. He's talking about what the Bible calls the hidden man. Amen? The, the hidden man of the heart, First Peter 3 calls him. We're talking about the man on the inside. The, the spirit man. How many know you're not just a body? You're not just a mind and a body. You are a spirit being. You have a mind and soul and you live in a body. I say it sometimes to, to, to stimulate thinking. You're sitting out there right now looking at me through those two windows you call eyes. Isn't that right? You are on the inside of that body. 
And you could, technically, you could say it like this, that it's not so much that you are a body, you live in a body. And you have a body. You know, we don't just, we don't need to think of ourselves just as physical beings. It'll help us tremendously to get a, a better revelation and understanding that I am a spirit being. If I, if I left my body right now, I'd still be me. I don't have to have a body to exist. I still have my mind and my soul and my faculties. Sometimes people have a lot of questions about some of these things, and I, you know, this is not my purpose to, to develop this that, that far, but sometimes people say, well, you know, uh, in heaven, will we know one another? Well, do you know one another down here? Amen. Because that's, that's who you're going to be when you get there, is you. And that's who, whoever else that is going to be there, they're going to be them too. They're not going to change into somebody else, and they're not going to change into an angel. That'd be a demotion. You understand? You're not going to change into another creature. When you're born again, you became a new creature. Amen. And that same new creature will be the one that goes to be with the Lord and communes in heaven. Thank God this body is going to become a new creature one day. It's going to be glorified, become immortal, incorruptible. But he says here emphatically that the heart affects the flesh. You think that's right? The heart affects the flesh. The life that's in the flesh comes out of the heart. Guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it come the issues of life. A sound heart, which means a heart that's in good condition, is the life of the flesh. But envy, the rottenness of the bones. How many know envy is a condition of the heart? you know that? If your heart is envious and bitter and jealous, is your heart sound and in good condition? No. Well, will having bitterness and envy and jealousy in your heart, will that affect your flesh? He said, make your bones rotten. Well, that's serious, isn't it? You know what we know what we'd call rottenness of the bones today? Cancer of the bone. That's what we'd call it today. Now, friend, as we begin to study these things, I want you to see the connection between the condition of the heart and the condition of the mind and the body and the life. In the New Testament, the Lord says. Uh, you know, uh, speaking through John in Third John 2, you remember it? He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now see, your soul's part of the inward man, isn't it? The hidden man. Invisible man. And as your inward man is prospering, that's going to affect your body, that's going to affect your finances and your life and everything else. According to this, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper, that's financial and materially, and be in health, that's physical, even as your soul prospers. But notice, you know, our soulical uh, prosperity is not based on our outward prosperity. It's the other way around, that our outward prosperity is going to be affected by our condition of heart. 
And a lot of times people don't like to look at that. They don't like to hear that. They don't like to talk about that because many times people, they, they like to imagine that their body's in terrible shape, their marriage is in terrible shape, their, their finances in terrible shape, their, their thinking and their mind and their emotions is in per- terrible shape, but they like to imagine that my heart is in good shape. Hello? But that's just not the way it is. How many know that 99.99% of problems have to do with heart problems? Heart problems. Heart problems. So many times when we've got financial problems and a bunch of things that just keep going on and on, it's not just external things. A lot of times we've got heart problems we've got to take care of. And then that'll begin to change and set, set off a domino effect on, on the other things in our life. So many times when we've got relationship problems, it's not just a problem with that individual. A lot of times we've got heart problems. And so many times if we're having difficulty receiving from the Lord in any area, it comes back down to heart problems because you receive from the Lord with your heart. That's what you receive with. The Bible says, for with the heart man believes. Romans 10.10. And it also says over in in, uh, uh, Mark 11.24, you remember? What things ever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. Amen. And you shall have them. So you got to receive them. And what part of your being do do you believe that you receive with? Your heart. Not your head. Your heart. So really, the condition of the heart becomes the most important thing. The condition of your heart is far more important than the condition of your body or the condition of your finances or the condition of your relationships with other people because that is the foundation and the issue of blessings and prosperity in all of these areas. The condition of the heart. How many believe in God with me today? Amen. I, I trust that you are. Don't, don't just climb up on me out there now. You gotta help me. Amen. <laughs> you know. Well, what do you mean, Brother Keith? Well, I mean, don't sit there and kind of stiffen up and say, are you trying to say something, Brother Keith? <laughs> yeah, I am. And it's not anything personal or offensive toward anybody. I'm talking truths. I'm endeavoring to portray truth from the Word of God. See, if you did that, you wouldn't be helping me. But if you just have an open heart, amen, and say, well, yeah, praise God, Brother Keith, that's in the Bible. All right, come on, let's look at it. I want to see. If i got heart problems, I want to see them. Because God knows how to do open heart surgery. Amen. God knows how to, to do work on the heart. Amen. And it, it didn't take him a long time either. One amazing thing about heart changes, they can happen really quick. You can change your heart just like that. You can't. You, you can make adjustments in your heart so quick, and, and some of those changes can make such phenomenal differences in how God pours blessings out on your life. I mean, sometimes just an adjustment in your heart will open the windows of heaven on your soul. Heart, heart, heart. And... We're, we, we are not in a position 
to just control the elements of nature and control everybody around us or control everything that happens or control the way necessarily everything that our body feels or does. You, you can't just say, well, I'm going to make my body do this or that or if there's a problem, I'm going to make it go away. You, you, you're not called to do that, but you are in complete control of your heart. If your heart's not where it should be, it's entirely your fault and responsibility, and you can change it today. How many of you can, you can control your heart? You should be in complete control of your heart. Amen. Oftentimes, if you begin to talk about things and matters of the heart, and people say, well, I just can't help it. I know it's wrong, but I just can't help feeling that way. That's a lie. That's a lie. Instead of folks saying, I can't change, they should tell the truth and say, I won't. Because you can change your heart. It's completely up to you. You can change your heart. You can have whatever kind of heart that you purpose to have. Do you believe that? Do you believe from these scriptures, we've shared just a few with you, you know, but just from this already, can you see a connection between the condition of the heart and the condition of the mind, body, and life. Can you see that? I trust that you can. In, in beginning to study some of these things, I, I was, uh, you know, just just almost overwhelmed at the at the enormity of material in the Bible <laughs> on this subject. We're not talking about four or five or twenty or forty verses. I mean, the Bible's full of it from beginning to end. I mean, just, just in, in, in purveying some things, I quickly came up with 40 to 50 conditions of heart. Well, if you took one of them and spent 10 minutes on each one, how long is that going to take you, you know? It's a big subject. The heart. And by the scripture, that much of the scripture being devoted to it, that lets you know what kind of priority God places on it. Amen. I know something that, that I was reminded of in thinking along some of these lines is something that uh, happened when God told Samuel to go anoint one of Jesse's sons as king. Remember that? And he went down and he saw the oldest and was, he was a tall, outstanding individual physically and he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And the Lord said, no. And he revealed something to him that every one of us should keep before us continually. And he said, uh, he said, no, he said, you, you look after the outward appearance. And man looks after the outward appearance. But he said, the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And that is such an important truth. We need to keep ourselves aware of that, that. That God is just, is not just, He doesn't see us like other people see us. He sees past all the exterior. He sees past any facade or front. Amen? He sees the heart. The heart. This is, this is something that you know, the, the more I think about it and the more I look at it, it just it stirs me up because I realize that, that ever since I've endeavored to start following the Lord, the Lord has been dealing with me about these things. I mean, every day of my life, in myself and everybody that I deal with, that issue comes up again and again. Your heart, your heart, your heart, their heart, their heart. 
What kind of heart? Your heart. Much more than your head or how you look or how you dress. Your heart. And, you know, I, I've, uh, uh, I've worked with Brother Hagen before in different capacities. And uh, I've seen him respond to people, what I, especially years ago when I first started, what I considered strangely. But I just kept my mouth shut and thought, well, you know, that's just something here I don't understand. I was, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I was confused about some things at di- different points. I've seen, I've seen some people come up and seem to, uh, seem to be all sincere and, uh, uh, in endeavoring to do the right thing and he just would hardly respond to them at all. Couldn't figure that out. I've seen him almost walk off and people talking to him. And I thought, well, people could interpret that as just rude, you know. But I knew him enough to know he's not that way. I know he's not that way. A man of great love and compassion. I knew that. But you know, the more that, that, that I'm learning, I'm beginning to see some things. I know I, uh, you know, in the last, you know, five to ten years especially, I've learned some things along that line. I mean, right in here, not, not too long ago, a matter of months ago, some individuals came up to me to talk to me. And, and I was talking, uh, one, one of them started talking to me. And, uh, and, uh, uh I, I said some things and just went, went on to something else. And one individual looked at me, he said, he said, you were real short with that person. And I looked back and I realized uh, that I was. But I had no apologies. Because the person's heart wasn't right. And I could tell it. Now see, a lot of times people don't, they don't realize that. They think things of the Spirit are as vague and indistinct to everybody else as they are to them. But see, to, to, to God, what you say, the way you act, the way you look, is not that big of a deal. It's your heart. He looks at your heart. And how many know that people can be saying the right thing with the wrong motive? Wrong intentions. People can be playing politics. They can be playing favorites. They can be trying to show off their knowledge, uh, pride, a whole bunch of stuff. And those things are ugly in the sight of God. And the more you learn how to deal with them in your own life, and you see them in your own life, then you see them in other people's lives too. Because you know, once you once you identify it and you learn how to deal with it, and, and that doesn't mean that you go around pointing a finger to anybody, but it just means you can tell it. And unless people are sincere, now see, you know, this one individual, they thought I'm going to be short with them like that, but I, I could tell their heart was right. I guess they, well, they, they were kind of afraid that I wasn't going to be spend any time with them, but I spent a good long time with them, working with them because they were sincere and they wanted help. The other individual, they really, they just wanted to waste my time and tell me all of their visions and all of their revelations, much like to try to impress me. I could tell that by the second sentence they said, and I just didn't, you know, I didn't care for it. Now, I don't know if you understand that or not. And I know I wouldn't want you to, to feel, you know, if, if, if you wanted to talk to me about something or anybody, I wouldn't want you to, to feel like, well, man, I'm not going to talk to them about anything, you know. Uh, 
unless you plan on having a bad, ugly heart to begin with. Then that'd be fine. And don't misunderstand me at all. Dear Lord, we're learning. We don't know everything. Don't know people's hearts and everything that's in, in people's hearts. We don't. We don't. I don't. But at the same time, oftentimes, you will sense things. And a lot of times, it's not so much a matter of having a special gift of the Spirit. Not so much of having a word of knowledge. It's just a matter of spiritual discernment that any Christian can develop in. You just sense things. Not a matter that you heard a voice or had a vision or anything. You sense. But now, so you got to be careful about that because a lot of people, babes, they're claiming to sense all kind of things and they're just wrong. They're just making wrong judgments. Judging folk and jumping to conclusions. But what I'm saying is that it is possible for individuals to try to have the right look, try to have the right talk, and yet their heart is wrong. And see, that's a big, that's the biggest problem you could have. How many know that no sickness is too hard for God to heal? No financial problem too great for God to meet? Nothing. No, no dilemma too difficult or too complicated for God to show you the way out of it and give you wisdom and give you victory. None. But you've got to receive it from Him, don't you? And what do you receive from Him? With. Your heart. So anything that puts your heart in a bad condition and throws your heart out of kilter to receiving is going to be a bigger problem than the disease, than the lack, than anything else. You see, why we say the condition of the heart is more important than any of these things. Because it's the determining key to receiving the answer from God. So people look on the outward appearance. People listen for certain things and oftentimes listen and look for things mentally and intellectually. But God looks at the heart. Prejudices are so immature and carnal. You know, we, we live in a world that's full of prejudices. Men are prejudiced against women. Women are prejudiced against men. White people are prejudiced against black people. Black people are prejudiced against white people. And blacks or whites or whatever are prejudiced against Asians. Asians are prejudiced against Indians. And, and you know, Russians are prejudiced against Americans. And Americans are prejudiced against, and even of, of late anymore, some folk have gotten prejudiced against Arabs. And, and, and I mean, you, you name it. You name it. And that just shows such ignorance. Because somebody's parents or the color of their skin, or their gender, does not determine what kind of an individual they are. Does it? What determines what kind of an individual they are? Their heart. Amen. You know, I, I come from Mississippi, deep south. We've had our share of racial problems down there. And I can't, we, we had a lot of them in some areas where I, I you know, where I grew up and but I learned early in life. I thank God I had parents that had enough sense to know that it wasn't just all in a man's skin color. It was a man's heart. They taught me from the time I was real young that you just you go by people's hearts. They didn't even know that much about God. But I mean, even a lot of people in the natural, they, they have some sense in these areas, you know. And uh, it didn't take me too long to figure out that they were sorry black people and they were sorry white people. And there were good black people, and there were good white people. 
Amen. Didn't take me too long to figure that out at all. And the same thing is true. How many of you can get that way? You can be prejudiced uh, about religion. Anybody, you know, you you find out that somebody is a so and so, or they're a Catholic, or they're a Baptist, or they're a Pentecostal, or they're a Presbyterian. Oh, well, you know how them Presbyterians are. Well, they're Lutheran. Oh, well, you know how them Lutherans are. All those Catholics are that way. And a lot of people, you know, they, they stereotype uh, us around. Well, you know, you know how you know how them faith people are. They're all that way. No. There's not any group of anything that they're all that way. You gotta take individuals one at a time. Don't you? Cause you might have two individuals in the, how many know that you can have two individuals in the same family? Grew up in the same house, same parents, same everything, and there's night and day difference in them. What do you go by? Their heart. And you, and you, you can't, you can't always tell somebody's heart just right off, can you? Sometimes it takes a little while to get to know somebody's heart, and you don't, you know, you don't ever know all about their heart. But you can get glimpses of people's heart. I mean, how many realize you, I mean, you, you can be married to somebody for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and not know all about their heart? No. For one thing, one reason is because that people develop. People are not just static, they, they, they grow and develop, you see, and make changes. We're to be growing, living people. Amen? And uh, you have to watch it. You know, sometimes, that's why the Bible warns us about judging. Because you can, you know, you, you, you can just look at something that somebody does and look at the way they respond or look at the way they come across. And if you're not careful, you can, just, you can jump to conclusions and say, well, this is the way they are or whatever. And you may be completely wrong. You have to give people, you know, the, what we call the, you know, Benefit of the doubt, and 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 give them opportunity, and ask the Lord, Lord, help me to see them through Your eyes. Help me to see them through Your eyes. Help me to perceive them from Your perspective. Because what does the Lord see? He sees the heart. And oftentimes, the the Lord will give you a glimpse of people's hearts. Now, I wish I could tell you that, that when you get a glimpse of people's hearts, it'll always be good. But I can't tell you that. I read after uh, Dr. John G. Lake as saying one time, uh, and Brother Hagin mentions that he, he had experienced similar things along some of these lines. And, and some of this has to do with the ministry of the prophet, which not everybody would have some of those things. Because the prophet in the Old Testament was called a seer. And prophet sees and know things supernaturally that other people wouldn't know. And certainly not everybody's not a prophet. But, but he said, uh, Dr. Lake said that, that the Lord enabled him oftentimes to see in people's hearts and know things about people. And he said it got to one point to where he was seeing so much, so much ugly stuff and, and so much bad stuff in people's hearts. He just, he just prayed and asked the Lord to take it away from him. He didn't want to see it. He didn't want to know all the ugly stuff that was in people's heart. Bothered him. He just, you know, just be uh, in services and looking out over crowds and just see all the ugly junk that was in people's hearts. He, he says he prayed and said, God, just take it away from me. I, I don't, I don't want it. 
Brother Hagin said there'd been some situations where he'd been, he'd been tempted to say that, but he had. But that, that could leave a wrong impression too because not everybody has bad heart. And not everybody has junk in their heart. All of us have things we have to work through, don't we? Don't we? Sure. And uh, when, uh, when the Lord would reveal something like that to somebody like that, like Brother Hagin or somebody that was standing in that office, even if they saw some things that wasn't just right, that doesn't mean they label you a bad individual. How many know that having a, having a problem or two is different from just having a bad heart? Is that right? Sure it is. Big difference. Let me, let me give you a little, a little overview of what we're talking about when we're talking about conditions of the heart. Let me, let me just read, uh, because it's about all we have time to do for right now. Let me just read over some of the different conditions of heart that are mentioned in the Word of God. Certainly can't do a study on all of them, but, but just mention them to give you an overview. First, I'll mention the bad conditions. And then we'll talk about the good conditions. <laughs> How many know you need to see both sides? You, you, need to, you need to understand. The Bible talks about having a hard heart. Having a hard, stony heart. The Bible talks about having a doubtful heart. Doubtful means full of doubt. And you know, that's the thing we're warned about in Mark eleven twenty three, isn't it? Whoever will say, and not what? Doubt where? In his heart. That's, that's the thing you got to watch. Uh, the Bible talks about a troubled heart. Your heart ever been troubled? Is it okay to have a troubled heart? No. Somebody said, well, I can't help it. Yeah, you can. The Lord said, John 14, remember that? He said, let not your heart be troubled. Didn't he say that? How many remember him saying that? said it more than once in that same chapter. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. How many remember that passage? I mean, you hear it at funerals all the time. It's a good passage. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I'll come again, receive you to myself. Where I am, you may be also. Thank God. Amen. But it started out with, don't let your heart be troubled. Somebody said, well, I can't help it. Well, apparently Jesus didn't know that. He told you not to let your heart be troubled. <laughs> Isn't that right? Understood subject is you. You. Not, you are not to let your heart be troubled. Troubled heart. Troubled heart's a bad condition. Sorrowful heart. The Bible talks about a sorrowful heart. The Bible talks about a gross or fat heart. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? In the King James it says, Their hearts have waxed gross. Remember that? That's a quote from Isaiah. And in Isaiah it said, Their hearts are fat. One time the psalmist said, their hearts are as fat as grease. Well, what in the world does that mean? It means this. It means insensitive. That's what it means. Insensitive. Why? 
Well, the thicker that fat is laid on the body, there's the more between the 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 muscle and, and the and the that part of your body and the outside, and the more insulation between the real you and the outside, then the less sensitive you are in some ways. Amen. How many know that the fat builds up on the outside? You see, and the thicker it is, well, in many ways, you're not as sensitive. As if there's not as much fat in the skin as taut over the, the sinew and the bones and the muscles, etc. How many know you can get a lot of stuff over your heart? Is that right? Your heart can be, can have a lot of uh, fat, so to speak. Not, not literal physical fat, but, but fat. Spiritual fat, I guess, you know, so to speak. And the Lord warned in His earthly ministry, He warned folk about, He said, uh, He said, He warned people about their hearts being overcharged with surfeiting and with drunkenness, lest that day should come upon them unawares. We said, Why would it come upon them unawares? Insensitive. Dull, you see. Why? Because, well, they're, they're yielding to the flesh on this side and yielding to the flesh, getting drunk and surfeiting, partying. Uh, being gluttonous, yielding to the flesh here and there. And what that does, it, it, it causes the heart to become fat or gross or dull and insensitive. I think we, we have a lot of problems with that nowadays. Amen? But, how many know that, that all of these conditions we're talking about and we'll talk about, they are changeable? Is that right? They're changeable? Changeable. I don't care how much a heart is so-called waxed gross or, or fat or insensitive. It can become very sensitive. The Bible talks about a foolish heart. You ever had a foolish heart? I have. I know of times when, I, when I, my heart was just foolish. I've kicked myself sometimes. I think, I've, I have before. There have been times when I just stopped and said, that was foolish. Foolish. You ever been there? The Bible talks about a broken heart. A broken heart. And it also says that God heals broken hearts. How many know that it's not alright to carry a broken heart around with you month after month and year after year? It's your fault if you do. Did you know that? You're not obeying the Lord if you carry a broken heart and a wounded soul around with you, uh, you know, day after day, week after week, month after month, and you just go on and on. You know, one of the biggest problems when people are like that, one of the biggest problems oftentimes is they won't forgive. So many times that's why they can't get free from it. They refuse to forgive people. The Bible talks about broken hearts. The Bible talks about a straightened heart. Straightened heart. What does that mean? Basically, it means a narrow heart. And the opposite of that is what the Bible calls an enlarged heart. And that doesn't mean the physical condition. But it means increased capacity on the inside. You know that some people have narrow hearts. They can't receive much. Their hearts are real narrow and real close. Other people have big, wide-open hearts. 
They can open them up real wide and receive big. Amen. The Bible talks about these things. The Bible talks about having a blind heart. That's a heart that can't see, you see. Having a deceived heart. Having a condemned heart. Condemned. That means you feel guilty in your heart. That's a bad condition of heart. That'll keep you from receiving. If you feel guilty in your heart about stuff, it'll keep your faith from working. How can you get free from a guilty heart and a condemned heart? Is there any way you can get rid of it? Thank God there is a fountain filled with blood. Amen. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Don't they? That's why that's a good song. It's true. It's based on the Word. Amen. And I like to sing that part over and over. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Well, if you don't have any more guilty stains, you're not guilty. You have no condemnation. You're free. Amen. Have no sense of guilt. No sense of condemnation. And if that's the case, if, you're, if you have no sense of condemnation or guilt, your faith will rise up bold and you'll have confidence to receive. The Bible talks about a haughty, proud heart. There's much in the Bible said about a proud heart. What does God do with the proud? He resists them. What about the humble? He gives grace to the humble. The Bible talks about a froward heart. Froward. You know what froward is? Well, forward, aggravating, pushy, <laughs> irritating. Several words you could mention. The Bible talks about a perverse heart. A perverse heart. The Bible talks about a heavy heart. The Bible talks about a fearful heart. The Bible talks about a revolting and rebellious heart. The Bible talks about a faint heart, a divided heart. The Bible talks about an evil heart. And there are many, many more. I'm just going to give you a little bit to get you thinking along these lines. Many more. Many. Everybody say many. many. <laughs> this is not exhaustive. But your heart can be in a lot of different conditions, can't it? But let's talk about some good conditions of heart, alright? Alright? We're talking about your heart now, right? Yes. <laughs> Come on, guys, cheer up. You act, you act like I called your name on every one of those last ones, Bucket. <laughs> I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm not calling anybody's name. I'm talking about Scripture verses in the Bible. If you just sit there and smile... Nobody will know anything except all these good things are you, you know. It's my soul. I'm just concerned that somebody may perceive I got a problem in my heart. <laughs> well, I tell you one thing. You know, I used to, when I, when I was first year student, I used to come sit on the front row all the time. Brother Hagin taught healing school. And of course, I knew, he, I knew he operated in the prophet's ministry. And I saw him operate in here supernaturally. I saw him. Minister to people about things there was no way in the world he could have known except God revealed it to him, you know. 
And uh, several of us, you know, first year students, we sit on the front row and, and sometimes he'd come right up over, you know. He'd come off the platform, he'd come and he'd stand right over, you know. And we're all sitting there thinking, oh dear God, wonder, you know, wonder if he sees anything. <laughs> oh boy. He'd look you right in the eye sometimes, you know, and you think, oh. <laughs> but, but a lot of that is just people thinking wrong. Because God didn't show people everything. I don't care if you are a prophet. You don't, the prophet doesn't know everything. And besides that, this is what I finally decided. <laughs> if, if I, if I've got my heart clear towards the Lord, <laughs> I don't have to worry about anything else that anybody else would see. Amen. That's the thing. That's the thing. If I feel like, hey, nothing between me and the Lord, my heart's clear, then I know that the Lord's not going to be showing him anything that I, you know, that'd be a problem with me. Besides that, the Lord would only reveal something to somebody for them to help you. Not to embarrass you or intimidate you or anything like that. And if you have enough sense to deal with the Lord and take care of stuff yourself, He's not going to be showing a bunch of things to other people. He doesn't need to. You're taking care of it yourself. Amen. You know, I was sitting over here one time. Got on this front row. Uh, I was after I was a student, I was a helper then in different capacities. And, and I was thinking several of my friends had gotten different prophecies and, you know, words from the Lord. Some of them seemed like they were pretty good, you know. And, and I was thinking, I got to thinking, you know, I've never got a word. <laughs> Nobody ever gave me a word. I never got a word at that time. Now, since then, I've gotten some. A lot of them I wish I hadn't got, you know. <laughs> some of them weren't right at all. Some of them kind of, you know, helped you out in different ways. But, but, I, I was thinking that way. He was teaching long, preaching long, and he walked over. He said, you know, sometimes people wonder, why don't I ever get a word? And, uh, and I thought, I just looked at him, yeah, like, hmm, is that right? <laughs> he stood right in front of me, you know. So sometimes people wonder, why don't I ever get a word? I don't ever get a word from the Lord. I mean, said verbatim what I had to think. I don't, I don't ever get a word from the Lord. Why don't I get a word? And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, why, why don't we? And uh, he said, well, he said, you need to understand that sometimes the Lord gives people a word. Now, not all the time. But sometimes the Lord will give people a word. Through, you know, through prophecy, through a tongue and interpretation. Everybody said, not all the time. time. Sometimes. Sometimes. So don't go out here and misquote me now. But sometimes the Lord will do that because the individual hadn't heard them and hadn't responded to them. And they, they, the Lord tried to talk to them by His Spirit, tried to talk to them through the Word, tried to talk to them through messages, maybe a dream, and they hadn't got it. They're being slow and dull. And so now, he's ministering through a spectacular way, something they can see, something they can hear with their outer ear to try to get it across to them. Not always. Not always, but sometimes. Did you get that? No. Now, don't, the next time you see somebody get a word from them, a prophecy, or a tongue and interpretation, don't you say, well, dummy. <laughs> if you'd have been sensitive, you wouldn't have, uh-uh, that's not necessarily true. Because sometimes the Lord does it for other reasons. 
That's why I had you sit with me. Not always, but sometimes. And so he said, if you're not getting any words from the Lord, rejoice. Rejoice. It shows that you're, you, you got a good enough relationship with him and you're sensitive enough that you're taking care of things that you need to and he's not having to move in some spectacular way to communicate with you. Can you say amen? amen? He said, and besides that, I'll go ahead and add this too. Besides that, sometimes when the Lord moves in a spectacular way, it's because there's rough sailing ahead. And you're going to need something real, real strong to help steady you <laughs> through those times. So if that be the case, then I'm not, I'm not itching for any prophecies of you. <laughs> I'm not believing and claiming for some. No, no, you understand. But uh, thank God, if we got our heart clear between us and the Lord, it doesn't make any difference what He would show anybody else. And besides that, uh, people that God can trust and use in these areas and these kind of things, if He He has proven them, you see, and, and they've passed some tests. And one of the tests you have to pass is you can't be a blabbermouth, and you can't be judgmental. Amen. That's why some folk hadn't been used more than uh, than they have. Is because uh, the Lord gave them something and they went around and blabbed it, and it displeased the Lord. The Bible said, "He that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter." You see, you have to. God is not interested in embarrassing people or intimidating people or doing any type harm to people. He is interested in helping people. And if He did show somebody something about you and it was really Him, it'd only be to help you. Wouldn't be to embarrass you in front of people. Only hypocrites should be rebuked publicly. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody said, where'd you get that? From studying the ministry of Jesus. That's the only people he ever rebuked publicly. Or hypocrites. Usually started out like that too, didn't it? Hypocrites, he'd say. And then, and then he, would, he would rebuke them. Hard, rough, you know. Why? Because they knew better. They knew better than what they were doing. They were self-righteous. They had some bad stuff in their heart. They knew better. But now people, even people that had missed it terribly, you know, if they, I mean, unless they were trying to be hypocrites about stuff, he was, he was kind with them, gentle with them. Remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? Jesus didn't, you know, scathe her in front of the crowd. He said, uh, go and sin no more. He didn't tell her what she did was right. He just said, don't do it anymore. Isn't that right? I guarantee you she was repentant. She thought she was about to die. And, you know, when people are repentant, don't you, don't you try to hold anything over their head? God's not interested in hurting people or harming people or, or just, you know, skinning people for no reason, you see. You know what I mean by that? No, no, no. And if you know your heart's clear before the Lord, it'll make you comfortable around anybody. If you can come in the throne room of God and open up your heart and worship God unashamed, without embarrassment, why couldn't you be around anybody on earth? Hmm? You know? I've had people say, well, I'm just uncomfortable being around brother so-and-so, around this one, around that one. Why? Are you uncomfortable being in the presence of God? Well, now, if you are, that explains some things. But if you're not, why would you be embarrassed or uncomfortable around any man? 
Because who's greater than God? That's right. You can be in His presence. And I mean, men could have a revelation and know something. One or two things. God knows everything. That's right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All things. Amen. Amen. But you see, sometimes the thing is, people, that, uh, individuals, humans that people can see with their eye and hear with their ear are more real to them than the God who they cannot see. But how many know that that's not the case? God is just as real as people you see. Real quickly, I'm just going to go over these. I'm just going to mention some of these real quickly. And then uh, tomorrow we'll pick up on some of these things and talk about them uh, further. But the Bible talks about having a pure heart. Having a humble heart, having an honest heart, and, and if you don't can't write all these down, don't worry about it. We're going to be we're going to be mentioning some of them again. Honest heart, good heart, a right heart, open heart, a steadfast heart, an established heart, a wise heart, a willing heart, a perfect heart, a merry heart, an understanding heart. Amen. It mentions condition after condition that, that describes a right heart. I like that pure heart, perfect heart, right heart, upright heart. Amen? How many of you can have whatever kind of heart you want to have? It's up to you. It's up to you. You can have a good heart. You can have an upright heart. You can have what the Bible calls a perfect heart. Somebody said perfect? Yeah. Really, the word perfect just means whole, complete. To say that you have a perfect heart means you're wholehearted towards God. Hallelujah. Amen. Not partially. Wholehearted. And you know what the Bible said over in Second Chronicles 16? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. What's he looking for? He's looking to find somebody that he can show uh, himself strong on their behalf. On whose behalf? On the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. That word literally means whose heart is whole. Who is whole hearted toward God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God wants you to have a perfect heart. You having a perfect heart, is that going to affect you? Is that going to affect you physically? Is it going to affect you mentally? Emotionally? Financially? Absolutely. As the inward man prospers, it's going to affect your health. It's going to affect your financial and, and material condition because the Bible says keep your heart with all diligence for out of it, out of your heart, are the issues of life. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.